Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. right now. I thank you for every baby in our baby space. I thank you for every kid in our kid space. I thank you for every teacher, Lord, who's teaching today. I thank you, God, for the production team and the worship team. I thank you, God, for this amazing church. I thank you for those who make the pastor look bad because they're so good at caring for Steve Rosek. I, I thank you for them. But right now, Lord, I declare in Jesus' name that you are sending your word into people and that the zeal of God shall accomplish the growth that you desire to happen in this house. And I declare there are champions rising and I declare there are youth on fire and I declare the touch of God over this place right now in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled church said, come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Go ahead, grab your seat. How many are ready for the Word? Last week, I talked about our vision to go. Someone say, it's time to go. Jesus was preparing His disciples. Someone say, prepare. Someone say, prioritize. He was preparing them and prioritizing them to go. And John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Someone say go, go. and bear fruit. That means go and look good. Go look good as you bear fruit. How many of you know that joyful people are better looking people? You want to be a better looking person? Smile more. Brush your teeth too, you know. He says, fruit that will last. And Jesus said in John 15 verse 5, He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone remains or abides or stays connected to me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And there is a promise of Jesus to bear fruit in our lives. And what is the fruit? I think when Jesus instructs us in something, he normally gives us a promise attached to it. So he's telling them to stay connected and abide and remain. And, and how many know that you need sometimes some motivation to do what someone's asking you to do? Like you don't go to work and then go, I'm coming for free. 
by the way, I don't need any money. I think money's selfish. No, you say, hey, I'm going to do this job, but at the end of the job, you're going to reward me with something, aren't you? Every week, bi-weekly, monthly, however they pay you, what are they going to do? They're going to pay you. And so you need some motivation to work. And Jesus is giving us the motivation internally to stay connected to Him by giving us the promise and the reward at the end. And so what He says to us is this, if you'll abide, if you'll stay connected to us, you will bear fruit. But what does it mean to bear fruit? It means that you will love. Someone say love. It means you'll have faith. Someone say faith. It means you'll have faith to have answered prayer. Someone say answered prayer. You'll have obedience. Someone say obedience. How many know obedience is the blessed place? You'll have the fruit of walking in friendship with God. Someone say friendship with God. And then you'll have power to go. Someone say power to go. And he's saying that all of these things are the promise if you abide and if you stay connected. So I talked about last week, go, but go and prioritize. Go and prioritize your life. And today I wanna say to you, the title of my message is go and prepare yourself. Go and prepare yourself. Listen to this in Philippians chapter one, verse nine. And this is my prayer. The apostle Paul is praying for the church in, in Philippi, but he is also praying for you and for me that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is what? What is what? What is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Prioritizing, let me say this about prioritizing. Prioritizing is more than just getting out your money and saying, where does it go and where does my schedule go? It's looking through a lens called love. Because you cannot actually prioritize rightly unless you have the right lens on. How many know that some people prioritize being a player? I'm gonna get as many girls as I can. But how many of you know their priority is lust? Yeah, yeah. So they cannot prioritize right because their lens is wrong. And Paul is telling the church, if you, I, I'm praying that your love might abound so that you might prioritize right. Yeah. I think it's good to pray for our family. God, help our family. Let its love increase so that we might prioritize right. Yeah. Families fall apart because of wrong priorities. Businesses fall apart because of wrong priorities. Individuals fall apart because of wrong priorities. Are you with me today? Listen to what preparation means. It is the action or process or process, however you say that. I don't care. The action or process of making one ready. I was thinking about preparation and it struck me how often we are actually preparing. Preschool prepares you for elementary school. Elementary school prepares you for middle school and middle school prepares you for high school and high school prepares you for college and college prepares you for the master's degree or the doctorate degree or maybe just getting a job. And the first job prepares you for the second job and the second job prepares you for the third job. And every single day, how many of you know that even sleeping is preparation for the next day? You are sleeping, and here's the funny thing, your body doesn't just sleep, it actually goes through cycles of sleep and then actually prepares to wake up. Your body is never not preparing. Your body is never 
not preparing. Think about it. You wake up and what do you do? You have your coffee, you have your breakfast while you're preparing for the day. You have a meeting, you prepare for the meeting. You have an interview, you prepare for the interview. And you're like, I didn't prepare for the interview. Yes, you did. You just prepared wrongly and therefore you didn't get the job. But either way, you are preparing. Someone say, I'm preparing. Someone say, I'm never not preparing. I mean, no, go on vacation takes preparation for a good vacation. And then you actually go on vacation so that you are rested so that you can come back and be more productive. How many know that your single life is preparation for your dating life? which is preparation for your engagement life, which is preparation for your married life. And too many people think wrongly about their single life, not preparing themselves that understanding how you handle your single life will be how you also handle your married life. I don't wanna get into our relationship series, but I feel it coming already. (laughs) Every February we talk about relationships because we're all in a relationship, aren't we? A friend of mine is a farmer. He grew up as a farmer. He's got five to six acres of property in New Jersey. Here's what I know about farmers. They're never not preparing. Hear me now. You gotta get this. Those of you in the back room, you really gotta get this. Never not preparing. Never not preparing. So if God has something for you, here's the thing. You are never not preparing. Because how many know that is the most valuable thing in your life? Oh, some of you are not getting this, but I hope you will. I hope when you walk out, there's like this... Holy Spirit slap. You just walk out of church. You're like, I didn't get it. Boom. Oh, shoot. Now I got it. Listen to what Benjamin Franklin said, the founding father of this country in the sign of the Declaration of Independence. He said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Listen to what Zig Ziglar, the personal development guru said. He says, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. Man, I think that's good. I can go home right now. Never not preparing. Some of you are gonna get to retirement years and go, I should have prepared. You did prepare. You just prepared to be poor. You just prepared to lean on the government. Let me say this regarding since the last two years, there's been a pandemic. Let me say this. The best thing you and I could do for the next 10 years is prepare our health now. Since no one else will tell you to get healthy, let this pastor tell you to get healthy. What if America for the last two years just went just vegan on everyone? I'm not encouraging that. I think veganism is a pagan religion. No, I'm just kidding. I believe you should eat meat and chicken in Jesus' name. Now, if you're vegan, don't get offended. One of, my, one of my assignments in life is to help your maturity, which means occasionally you have to forgive me. When you leave church, I disagree. I'm just testing your maturity. 
I'm testing you, I'm testing you. I left that church because I didn't agree one time. Focus on the 97% you do agree with instead of 3% you don't agree with. <laughs> Let me say it again about your health. Get healthy. If doctors of this country don't tell people to get healthy, there's something wrong with the doctors of this country. If the leaders of the country don't tell people to get healthy, there's something wrong with the leaders of this country. Amen. I just get preaching. Someone's going to email me later. I don't think you should be giving doctor advice. I think I should give common sense advice. But let me say this. Far more detrimental, detrimental than not preparing for retirement is not preparing to meet the one who made you and realize that the test of this life was preparation for the next. Rick Warren says this, he says, when you understand that life is a test, then you realize that nothing is insignificant in your life. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20, Paul is speaking to his son in the faith, his protege in the faith who led the church of Ephesus, which was probably one of the most significant churches at that time on the planet. Some theologians say Ephesus was 15, 20,000 people. Now in a large house, there are not only vessels and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and of earthenware. And some are for honorable, noble, good use, and some are for dishonorable, ignoble, or common use. Therefore, someone say therefore. Therefore, therefore this is the bit you gotta pay attention to. He says, therefore, if anyone, someone say anyone. anyone. Slap your neighbor, say that's you. If anyone cleanses himself from these things which are dishonorable, disobedient, or sinful, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose and useful, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Paul was telling Timothy he needs to flee youthful lusts and he was actually to stay away from foolish arguments, interestingly enough. The, the Jewish people would get stuck in all kinds of genealogies and arguments about this thing and that thing. And he literally said, stay away from foolish arguments. Here's what's interesting. He literally says, it ruins the hearer. You ever been around some religious people and they're just fighting about the 2% instead of focusing on the 98%? And they're fighting about this and fighting about this. And if you're not careful, you'll just get baited into it and you'll think you're deep, but you're not deep. You're muddy. Show me the depth of your Christianity and all by showing me the depth of your sacrifice. Not the depth of your knowledge, not the depth of you can argue this point and that point. I'm talking about the depth of your sacrifice will be the depth of your Christianity. The depth of your love will be the, the depth of your Christianity, the depth of your love for God, the depth of your love for people. Are you with me? Someone say, go and prepare. You ever seen uh, the show Bridezilla? 
Bridezilla, Bridezilla, what are they doing there? These girls are obsessed with how perfect the day must be. And there's, there's some value, obviously, ladies. I mean, you want a nice wedding. You want it to look good, feel good, smell good. The dress is gonna be right. The picture's gonna be right. The camera person's gonna be right. My mother, the camera person, forgot to show up on her wedding day. Just forgot. That was back in the day when it really mattered. Because you didn't have iPhones. It was like click and And Uncle Joe's taking all the pictures and Uncle Joe's got no idea. (laughs) But they are preparing greatly because they are aware of the significance of the moment. It's actually a shame that most people spend far more time preparing for the wedding day instead of their marriage. It is a shame that many times we actually spend more time preparing for our vacation instead of the life we live. I wonder how many of us are undervaluing our spiritual preparation because we undervalue what God really has for us. I heard a a story a number of weeks ago. You know, I was reading a book. It was a great book. author, I met him down in Texas, his name is Tony Rory, he leads an amazing ministry uh, called Honor Ministry, and he tells a story in his book, Passing the Torch, how fathers are to pass the torch to their son, and he tells a story of a very, very wealthy man, a multi-multi-millionaire who had a builder that built him a lot of homes and made him a lot of money for about 20 years. The guy was the key builder on every project for 20 years. And eventually the builder actually began to be a little envious of the multimillionaire. He says, man, why, I wish I had that money. I wish I had this thing. I wish I had this thing. And finally the multimillionaire says to him, I have a very key assignment for you, a, a key house for you. It's, it's not like the other houses. I want you to take one and a half million dollars and I want you to make the most beautiful home. I want you to deck it out and make it beautiful and, 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 and glorious. And, and for some reason, the builder cut some corners. He didn't do the foundation right. He, he, he cut on the, the, the cost. He, he, didn't, he didn't do the things that he would normally do. And, and at the end of the project, the multimillionaire comes up to him and says, have we finished this, uh, the project? He says, yeah, I finished it. And he actually cut some corners and saved himself a little money on the side. And then the multimillionaire hands him the house. This is your house. When we cut the corners on our own character, when we cut the corners on our own preparation, hear me now, we're building our own house. We're building our own house. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever. What should I do, pastor? Whatever you do. What does God want me to do? Whatever you are currently doing. Job. Serving in church, building a family. Managing your money, managing a business, being a nurse, being a teacher, being an accountant, being an electrician, being a politician, whatever, whatever you do. Do it as unto the Lord, not for men, for you know. How many know this? He was assuming that you know it. I don't want to assume you know it. For you know. 
you will receive a great I like that word reward whatever you do do it as unto the Lord not for men for you know I can't wait till God promotes me pastor then I'm really going to work hard (laughs) whatever you do someone said to me many years ago I, I, I put my I bought a lottery ticket I told the Lord I told him if he let me win, I give the church 20%. Just be faithful what you got. Be faithful with what you have. Because what you have, here's the interesting thing it's a test. You know, in school, they tell you, hey, this test is coming at the end of the week. What God does is look backs on your life and goes, oh, that was the test. I'm here to tell you that life, your current assignment is your current test. Are you single? That's the test. Are you dating someone? That's the test. Are you married? That's the test. Has someone in church given you an assignment? I can't wait till I get a bigger one. How are you handling the current one? I'll share this with you. Do you know that I preach almost no different than when 30 people were in our church, than a thousand people in our church? Because I, I prepared like the 30 was the most important task I had to do. So when there was 37 people showing up to the Elks Lodge, I stayed up many times at three at night. Why? Because that was my task. Someone say dream. Dream. Someone say vision. Vision. One of the greatest examples of preparation and the lessons of preparation is Joseph. He gets a dream at 17. Someone say dream. Dream. Someone say vision. God gives him a dream of greatness. He's 17. He's a young punk. Doesn't know that he shouldn't tell all these dreams to everyone yet. Tells everyone and his brothers hate him you probably know the story. He literally gets sold into slavery and then he gets promoted and it takes about 14 years until the dream is fulfilled. But watch this now. He is tested through family betrayal. He is tested through success and sexual temptation. He is tested through lies and false accusation. He is tested in prison. He is tested in being forgotten. And he is tested by hanging on to the bitterness of the past. But watch this now. All of his tests were preparation for where God was taking him. Someone say, I'm in a test. Someone say, I'm being prepared. Come on, say it loud. I'm being prepared. God is wanting to prepare our church to go. And when you get prepared to go, and then you go and you gotta get prepared. 
And there is this unique cycle of going and preparing. And prepare and go. And go and prepare. Work and rest. Rest and work. Cycles of life. God is getting you ready. But are you getting yourself ready? hear me now, it is the passing of tests that is the preparation for the next assignment. Listen to what Winston Churchill said, perhaps the greatest leader of the 19th century. If he didn't lead the way he did, most likely communism and Germany would have taken over most of the world. He said, I felt as if I were walking with destiny and that all my past life had been but a preparation for this hour and this trial. Hear that again. I felt as if I were walking with destiny and that all my past life had been but a preparation for this hour and this trial. Do you know what I found? order self-control on Amazon. <laughs> if you go on Amazon, I got an iPad here. If I go on there, let me see. Amazon. Self-control. I wonder if a little box of self-control will come. Uh, no, it's not there. You know what's there? Books about it. You can get some books about it. You can read about it. You can't order it. It's not showing up on your doorstep three days from now. Oh, pastor. <laughs> when I'm married, I'll be self-controlled. No. Learn it now. The longer I live, the more I realize self-control is my friend. The longer I live, I promise you, I've been, I used to be young. Now I'm kind of young, depending on how old you are. Some of you are like, Pastor, you're young. Some of you are like, Pastor, you're old. I like to hang out with the people who think I'm young. longer I live, the longer I live, the more I realize that self-control is my friend. With a culture that says anything you want to do, you can do, unless we disagree with it. And then we'll cancel you. dad in here, self-control is your friend. If you want to be wealthy one day, self-control is your friend. If you want a growing faith, self-control is your friend. It is your friend. It is your friend. You need to hang out with self-control. You're like, hey buddy, why don't you come with me? We should walk together. Now hear me now. Sunday, I hope you get inspired. 
and self-control. yourself in a weekend that inspires your faith and teaches you and infuses you and it's almost like you start to value self-control and vision and faith more and and man you join a transform group and and you're like man these people are going somewhere and that isn't the antidote to everything but actually it starts to teach you something doesn't it it's like it starts when you start to hang out with people who are self-controlled and we know you start to get more self-control you ever just go to the gym just go there just don't even work out just walk around some people, that's all they do anyway, but just, just walk around there. Eventually you're like, well, I might as well pick up something. If you hate the gym, cool, hate the gym. Go for a walk. Do underwater basket weaving in your hot tub. And you need to get self-control. Oh, this is good preaching. I'm not sure where the last one came from, but... I was out of control on that one. I was out of control on that one. Instead of thinking that you'll get ready for something big one day, why don't you treat your current learning assignment, serving assignment, working assignment, whatever it is, your current assignment, why don't you treat that like it is the most important thing you do? Because if you do that, game like yay we're playing I'm like we are not playing I cut my fingers I cut myself it, like how many that's how you want to start your 530 day <laughs> I'm so glad I got up what a transformed morning <laughs> that'll transform your morning right there ribs are still feeling it people we all slip up don't we we all make mistakes that's why we have the grace of God. But if every single morning I walk out and I slip down my stairs, how I many know I'm a fool? Put some salt down, put some layers down. And I wanna say to some of you today, listen, we're all gonna slip, but learn. Learn from the pain that's in your life. We're gonna learn. And then put some salt down, put some grit down and say, I used to slip. used to. 
be foolish. Used to not prepare for work. Used to not prepare my finances. Used to not prepare my health. Used to not prepare, but guess what? I learned some things. I went past the field of the sluggard and the Bible says I learned a lesson from what I saw. It says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding your hands to rest. It says a poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Woo! Here's what I want to say to you. God wants to prepare you. Every man, every woman in here, God is trying to prepare you for what He has for you. Do you remember the lessons you got as a kid from your mom and dad or mama or whatever? How many know sometimes your dad tell you things or your mama tell you things like, mom don't tell me what to do. Dad don't tell me what to do. What were they trying to do? They were trying to prepare you for adulthood. How many know we have a loving father who's trying to prepare us for what's coming up in six months and one year he already sees what's coming up. So he's like, I'm trying to get you ready, but are you listening? Spirit, God, where we're blind to our own ill-preparedness, I pray that you would just speak to your people. God, I thank you so much that your grace and your mercy covers our past, but you are trying to give us grace for the future, and that means many times wisdom. So I pray for your people that they would be wise. I pray for me, I'd be wise. I pray for our pastors, they'd be I pray for our transformed group leaders, they'd be wise. I pray for every man in here, every woman in here, that there would come a wisdom on them this year, that they would prepare themselves for not just this year, but for the next five years and 10 years. But Lord, not just the next 10 years, but eternity. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, take these moments, take this word and apply it specifically to where people need it. Feed people that need it. Speak to people that are just not listening, Lord. Lord, open eyes that are blinded by the trappings of just their own self or this culture. I pray in Jesus' name, set people free in this place. Set them free, God, from fear and anxiousness. Lord, set people free online from fear and anxiousness. But Lord, speak to them specifically about their purpose. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for the discipleship of this church. They will increase and grow. Healthy, 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 strong discipleship. Families would be strong. Minds would be strong. As we go this year, send us home, send us to neighbors, send us to work. As we go this year, send us to states and nations, God, which you have prepared for us. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you in advance for what you're already going to do. I thank you in advance for what you're already going to do. Say this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Would you prepare me for what you have for me? Say it one more time, Jesus. Would you prepare me for what you have for me? While eyes are closed all across this place, you may be here today for the first time, tenth time. But I want to talk to you not about your work life, not about your retirement life, but 
every single one of us will stand before the one who made us. Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed unto man once to die and after that it's when you'll meet God. The Bible says in John 17 verse 3, this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. What is eternal life? It's knowing the one who made you. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus came into the world to forgive the world, to save the world, and to literally be a bridge from God to humanity. You may be here today and you have never stepped upon that bridge. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. It is a prayer of salvation. It is a prayer where I say, Jesus, I need to trust you. I need your forgiveness. You may be here today and many of you are Christian, but perhaps some of you, you don't know if you've ever walked on the, upon the bridge called Jesus. And this church exists for those who are far from God, that they would simply walk upon the bridge called Jesus and receive His incredible grace and His incredible mercy. There is no greater invitation on planet earth other than the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, it says, the Bible says, you shall be saved. The invitation of the Father to you is, I want you to be my son, I want you to be my daughter. If you've got religion but not Jesus, if you're not sure you're a Christian, right here, right now, Life. Can we put our hands together for those people? Can we stand to our feet for a moment? I want to say one last thing. Well, I want you to say one last thing. Who's my help here today? Steve, come over here. I want to say one last thing. Or get us to say one last thing. Say, God is sending me. God is preparing me now for the future. Help me be wise in how I prepare myself 
in Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Give the Lord a hand. That's a God. Come on.